So part of solving that problem is engaging with boys differently in the real world than we are. We have to uh, believe that they're not just a defective girl. We have to believe that they're not some kind of social disease that needs to be eradicated. We have to uh, help them to, to understand their strengths and, the, and what it is that they're created to do and what it is that they're capable of doing. And when we remind them of those things, the world becomes a little more exciting <laughs> and, and they don't feel so compelled to, to go disappear in that virtual world that checks all those boxes for them. Welcome to the Christy Faith Show, where we share game-changing ideas with intentional parents like you. I'm your host, Christy Faith, experienced educational advisor and homeschool enthusiast. Together, we'll explore ways to enrich and transform both your life and the lives of your children. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of The Christy Faith Show. I am thrilled about our guest, Mark Hancock. You may know him. He is the founder and CEO of Trail Life USA. And I had him on today because he just did a project with Brave Books where he wrote a book that is called Too Much Tubular. And he is going to talk to us today all about homeschooling our boys, raising our boys, what is best for them, how they are wired. Thank you so much for being on here today, Mark. I want to ask you a little bit about your background and how did you come to writing this book for Brave Books? Yeah, well, that's a great question, but let me start with a correction, if that's okay. Oh, yeah. I'm not the, I'm not the founder of Trail Life USA. I was, oh. I, was there, I was there at the beginning and there were 300 of us there at the beginning looking at this idea of, of, of starting this organization. So I was there and I was the first CEO, but we don't point to anyone as a founder, but I appreciate that. So my story is really interested in Brave Books because, you know, of course, Trail Life being an outdoor organization, uh, we're encouraged to get boys away from the digital and see what the outdoors does to them. And they wanted to do a book about the influences of social media on kids. And so it was a perfect matchup for us to, to write this book together. And so we teamed up with them around this wonderful message that takes place on Freedom Island and just gives parents a great opportunity to talk with their kids about uh, social media and digital devices and, and, and how we need to be responsible and, uh, with, with how we manage those things. Nice. And without sharing too much or giving it away, what happens on Freedom Island? In yeah, Tuba well, I, I do a little spoiler alert, but the characters in Forenzi Park, which is a park on Freedom Island, are, are they're all into this tubular, and which is the social media on Freedom Island. And anytime a picture pops out of these tubes that come out of the ground, they're just all interested and they drop everything to do that. And, and so like all the characters in this frenzy park end up being kind of like zombies. All they want is more, 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 more. And uh, so the moral of the story and the turning point is when they discover this trail. I family camping outside the, the city and they've discovered this concept of moderation. And so they take this idea of moderation back to the city and uh, spoiler alert, they help <laughs> the characters of Forenzi Park discover that, hey, maybe there's nothing wrong with these digital tools, but you gotta stay in touch with your family. You gotta stay connected with the outdoors, these things that are, that are, that are important. So it gives a great foundation for parents to have uh, conversations with their kids about the, the challenges within this digital age. That's great. And so the book really encourages that balance because we can't get rid of screens altogether. But I know firsthand how my own kids with some of these YouTube channels, they get sucked mm -hmm. in and then it does the countdown to the very next one. And all of a sudden, you know, and then I get busy cooking dinner and I've looked up and my kids have just watched an hour and a half of YouTube. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. really can. I mean, it's designed that way too. most of the social media platforms yeah. are that way. 
They are, but it's, but the the book gives us great because it's kind of in a comical way. This, of course, is cartoon characters and and here beautiful, beautiful artwork in the book really draws you in. Mm-hmm. But the the characters, a lot of them are like zombie like walking around the city. You see the, the twirly things in their eyes and everything. And so so for your yeah. kids, you, maybe you're at a restaurant and you're looking at another table and you see a family and the whole family's on their devices. You know, you can kind of just nudge your your son or your daughter say, hey, like, you know, they're they're like the zombies in Forensic Park. And and then the kids begin to see it in their own behavior. And so it's it's a lighthearted way rather than lecturing and those sorts of things. It's a lighthearted way to have these kind of conversations with your children around the, the digital devices that they all have now. Yes. And I'm a big believer just in my own homeschooling philosophy of teaching our kids ethical, moral lessons through story. It just really solidifies. They remember it more when they have an emotional connection. And I also think it normalizes, you know, a lot of things, a lot for a lot of us homeschooling families, we do life a little bit differently than other people. And I think that with books like this coming out and normalizing, like, no, there are a lot of families that set limits on screen time. And I know the neighbors watch unlimited blank, but there are other families like us that do limit it. I think that's so valuable and I'm excited that you did this project. I want to ask you in a world dominated by screens, why is hands-on play so essential for children? Well, you know, for boys in particular, this, this whole uh, dealing with concrete and abstract principles, it's so, it's so important, so important to them, so valuable for them to have that uh, tactile interaction with their, with their environment. Boys are, are, are born, they're actually created, designed uh, to be active and to be moving. And so we put them in this, in this situation, we put a controller in their hand or put a phone in their hand or a tablet, and uh, they're kind of shutting down in so many ways rather than interacting in the environment. You know, psych- psychologists in, at Harvard University and medical professionals have told us that boys actually have to be moving in order for their brain to be activated. If you're enjoying the show and don't want to miss out on future episodes, hit that like and subscribe button and show us some love with your reviews. Those five-star reviews really do help us reach more people. Now, we know that if we look at, you know, I we homeschooled our boys, but and they were moving all the time as they were learning and or even at the dinner table. You know this, your son's his leg starts going, whatever he's got, got to be moving. And what they're trying to tell us is that if you want my brain, you got to take this activity. Uh, and that's the way that I keep my brain turned on. So uh, interaction with the environment, the tactile environment is so critical to the learning, particularly of boys, but boys and girls both. And so in this digital world with something still in their hands, they're shutting part of their brain down and they're not absorbing and they're not processing as quickly or as well as they are when they're in motion. Mm, I love that. And in the book, does it give a guide for parents? There's a great section at the end that talks about practical ways to engage and to operate with some of these, uh, some of these ideas. And and it it tells you in the context of trail life about how, how we use the outdoors in order to keep boys engaged and keep people connected and to make those kind of interactions. So yeah, there's some great practical stuff at the end of the book, showing parents how to, to integrate some of these principles and even some fun stuff where the parents get to act out some of the characters in the, in, in the park as they walk around zombie, like in their living rooms or whatever, interacting with their, with their kids. So there's some, some great activities back there to, to help engage uh, the kids with the message. 
I, I absolutely love that. And I want to ask you a little bit about Trail Life. One, I'd love to know the difference between Trail Life and some of those other organizations that are outdoorsy for kids and for boys. And also, how have you guys found in your experience with running Trail Life, how have you seen Trail Life influence the character development of the boys in your program? Oh, those are some great questions, Christy. First of all, you know, Trail of USA is everything that you would expect from an outdoor organization for boys. We have uniforms and handbooks and camping and tents and patrols and outdoor adventure and a robust award system. But what's unique about us in terms of other programs is, is we are Christ-centered. We're unapologetically Christian. Mm-hmm. We point to absolutes, uh, which are very difficult to find in our, our world today. I don't know how you raise kids without saying there's such a thing as good and bad and right and wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so we have that that foundation, the foundational truths that are run throughout the program, and then we're also boy focused, mm. and that's that's kind of a, an interesting thing to be saying today. You know, we're all familiar with the Boy Scouts of America; has been around for over a hundred years and gave us presidents and senators and generals and astronauts and civic leaders. And, but you know, a few years back, they decided that that uh, they were going to. Uh, change their focus, not boys, to all children. Now, I think it's wonderful. I think kids, all kids deserve opportunities, but that they took their eye off the ball, that their focus was mm-hmm. boys was really sad. And so Trail Life remains boy-focused. We happen to believe that boys and girls are different. <laughs> and if any of your listeners have a boy and a girl in their household, they can probably speak to that. Uh, boys and girls are different. And we just acknowledge that up front. And we recognize that it's not a value statement. One isn't better than the other, but they're different. Boys learn differently than girls. They're twice as likely to be in special education, three times more likely to have ADHD. They have fallen behind girls in every single academic category. There's now more young men living at home than ever in the, in the, since we started counting that in the census in 1960 because we've abandoned this idea that boys and girls are different and we're trying to raise them in a, in a, in a one-size-fits-all uh, sort of environment. So we go back to recognizing that boys need programs that are aimed at their strengths. And, and so do girls, but the, 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 that's much better recognized when those organizations are separate. Now we have a great girls organization called American Heritage Girls. They're kind of our sister organization. They've been around about 20 years before we came around. But, and so we send parents with girls, go there, but bring your sons to Trail Life because we recognize that boys and girls are different. Boys are driven by things like risk and competition. Mm-hmm. They, they don't do well with sit still, be quiet, pay attention. Psychologically, mm-hmm. developmentally, behaviorally, so many ways boys are different than girls. Mm-hmm. And we recognize that in trailers. So that separates us from some organizations that, that want to treat boys and girls as if they were the same. I love that so much. And I agree with you a thousand percent that they are wired so much differently. Just yesterday, I picked my son up from his homeschool program. It's a drop-off program with all these electives and all of this. And he was, we have this thing where he's, he like, we go and get boba tea after, after when I pick him up from his program and then he spills the tea. And if you know what spill the tea means, it's like vernacular for like, you tell me everything that went on that day. So we get the tea while he spills the tea. But anyway, what's so fascinating is I have never talked to him about my views on how the classroom environment really is not conducive to boys learning. Mm -hmm. He made this observation himself. He's like, mom, 
I've noticed all the girls are really well behaved. They're sitting there, they're listening. And he goes, the boys are bouncing off the walls. And I was just smiling because I knew I was interviewing you today. We could talk about <laughs> just how I think that it's kind of the elephant in the room. We need to ask ourselves, why are all these boys being diagnosed with ADHD? Is it really them or is there maybe something wrong with the system? And you know, I am a homeschool advocate. I think every parent should be considering an alternative education for their kids. And they're, and often just the classroom environment is so stifling for boys. It makes them hate learning in general. And so these programs like your program is so fascinating. I'd love to hear examples of how outdoor experiences for the boys in your program help them build essential life skills that really help them in their futures. Yeah, well, that's I, I, I love that because there's so many opportunities for boys to develop, to challenge themselves in different ways where in the classroom setting or typical settings, um, they're not being challenged. And it's just really sad because they're capable of more, but at the same time, we have an expectation that they're gonna behave like girls sit still, be quiet, yeah. pay attention. And they're just not wired to do that. And so so the outdoors is this great place for boys to go and kind of push the boundaries a little bit. In Trail F, we provide a male-centric environment set that's surrounded by other boys and men. And, you know, and today, today it's so sad, but we, we look at boys and we say they're largely unguided. You know, one in four boys now doesn't have a father in the household. And 76% of public school teachers are female and 80-something percent of uh, Sunday school teachers are female. So girls have these wonderful models mm -hmm. of women who are leading well from the single mom at home mm -hmm. to their teacher in the front of the classroom to the teacher in the Sunday school. They have these great models that they can say, hey, that's what a woman looks like in leadership. Boys lack those models. They don't see the father in the home. They don't see the, the man in the classroom. They don't see the man in the Sunday school. So they're already at a disadvantage to where they feel they don't have an image. They don't have a picture, a model, an example of who, what it is that they're going to be. Mm -hmm. so, so we restore that in trail life with a male-centric mm -hmm. environment, and we, we guide boys. We give them that kind of guidance. Men who are in the program who are background checked and child safety youth protection trained, and they have a heart for the mission of raising the next generation of, of good, strong, godly young men. Mm -hmm. And so now boys have an image of what it means to be a man. We also look at our, our, we, our boys as being, you know, largely ungrounded. You know, like I said earlier, mm -hmm. without the foundational absolutes of a culture that points to something, and in, for, the, for our country, for the longest time, it was the Christian moral values. Well, now 58% of Americans no longer believe that God or the Bible is the source of morality. Mm -hmm. And so they're growing up in an environment where they don't have these kind of absolutes to point to. And that's tragic for boys. They like to know the rules. They like to know where they stand. They like to know, uh, you know where, where the out of bounds is. And we've removed a lot of those restraints. And so it causes them to actually do less. I remember Dr. Dobson years ago did a study at a, at, a, at a learning center and there was a playground out back and they would let the kids out the back door and they would play inside the playground. One day they took, took down the fence and when they shook down the fence, the kids all grouped up close to the building. It's like they no longer felt safe to explore. And then they put the fence back up and they all went out to the fence. They pushed on the fence. They climbed on the fence, everything. Boys like to have something to press up against. And when we take away those foundational sorts of things, it leaves them kind of scrambling for what's right mm -hmm. and what's wrong. And they begin to develop their own I ideas. And, and sometimes they're, they're misguided in the, the way they, they pursue those things. So these are difficult challenges that, that boys are facing today.
Before we continue, I want to share with you a program that has been a game changer for our homeschool. At our learning center, we instructed and taught pretty much every math program out there on the market, so we know firsthand how important a solid math foundation is for our kids' futures. Finding the right homeschool math program that didn't compromise academic excellence, but also one that didn't put me and my kids through the ringer was a challenge. Till one day, I tried CTC math. You guys... The rest was history. First off, it's a mastery-based program, which means your kid gets a solid grasp of the material. It's also loaded with mixed reviews, ensuring kids never forget what they've learned. And the questions are adaptive, which keeps students confident and progressing at their own pace. But the best part, all the teaching and grading done for you. With CTC Math, there is no compromise on excellence. Your child gets a top-notch education and you just made your homeschool life easier. Visit CTC Math for your free trial today. Yeah, it's certainly different raising your kids now than even 20 years ago or when I was growing up. I want to ask you, for the parents that are, hey, all my kid wants to do is play video games. What would you suggest some baby steps for a family to who realizes, yeah, I don't want my kid addicted to these video games. I There's more to life than this, but they kind of feel stuck and they're not quite sure what to do. What are some baby steps that you recommend for them? Well, there's some things that we can actually learn from video games. And uh, it's, it's tragic and I'm certainly not encouraging boys to play more, but I'm saying that they have found a world there where score is kept which they don't find in the real world anymore, mm -hmm. where levels are, where they know what level they're at, where they can take risk, where they can try something that's hard and they can fail and they can try again. We've taken a lot of that out of the real world for boys. We've taken mm -hmm. the risk and the competition away. So that drives them to that video game world. And then we criticize them for playing so many video games. So I'm not, I'm not saying they should be playing more, but I'm telling you that it's that sort of, activity for boys where they know where they stand because score is kept. They know what they've earned because we're rewarding them uh, based on what they earn, not based on showing up. And we're not doing participation trophies. That's not helpful for boys. That's maddening for them. <laughs> we're rewarding them based on what it is that they are actually doing. That brings out this desire of them. And then we've created a world that's that's more engaging than the video game world. So part of solving that problem is engaging with boys differently in the real world than we are currently. We've got to give them risk and competition. We have to allow them to move. We have mm. to uh, believe that they're not just a defective girl. We have to believe that they're not some kind of social disease that needs to be eradicated. We have to uh, help them to, to understand their strengths and, the, and what it is that they're created to do and what it is that they're capable of doing. And when we remind them of those things, the world becomes a little more exciting <laughs> and, and they don't feel so compelled to, to go disappear in that virtual world that checks all those boxes for them. That is so fascinating. I've never heard it explained in that way on that attractiveness. And I'm thinking of my own son who we, of course, we allow video games and he just loves that competition. He loves the fantasy football stuff. And wow, that's, that's really enlightening for me to hear that 
And I think I have fallen into that myself, like, oh my goodness, video games are bad. No, they're actually not. We're looking for moderation. And, mm -hmm. and there are certain aspects of that that are in alignment with how he's wired. That is such a fascinating thing. And I, I wanted to talk a little bit more, get a little controversial here. I want to talk about toxic masculinity, this whole, you touched on it a smidge, but I want to dive deeper because here's the thing. Here's what struck me in what you said. And that is we don't want to teach our boys that they are defective girls. And I do feel like I want you to flesh that out a little bit because that that can strike someone that can stop them in their tracks. What do you mean by that? Yeah, well, it's it's subtle, but it's there. And when you begin to see it, it's really quite frightening the way that in, in many ways we're kind of shaming boys for who it is that they are. So if, if we criticize them for celebrating a victory because you're going to hurt somebody's feelings, we're taking away from that, them that desire to achieve or to win or to do something great. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what put those men in those boats to storm the beach of Normandy or, or mm -hmm. on top of that rocket ship to go to the moon or in that ship that was going to sail across uncharted waters is the sense that, you know, there's some danger involved here, but, and there's a challenge to it. And there's something to be celebrated and something to be, I might fail at it, but when we take those things out of their world, when we take the, the opportunity for doing something hard and failing and then trying again, which the video game world offers clearly, then, yeah. we, then we take away their desire. And that's why we have this failure to launch. And I referenced it earlier, all these young men living at home, because we haven't let them uh, fully experience the, the the capability, the drive, the winning, the risk, the competition, all those things that bring men to life. You know, mm -hmm. uh, boys, as they are wired, and when we, if we don't take this out of them, they are the ones, they're not the ones who show up in school with a gun to harm people. They're the ones who stand in front of the bullets and say, mm -hmm. I'm going to be the hero here. And so there's, there's, there's different ways to, to, to raise boys in order to, to, to help them engage with that hero, hero aspect of what's in a boy. And it has to do with understanding who it is that he is, letting him embrace challenge, giving him opportunities for risk and competition in a safe environment, but uh, rewarding him for what he earned and not just for showing up. These certain things in subtle ways, we have told boys that they're not capable. Mm -hmm. And when we tell them things like, we're not going to keep score because we don't want anyone to get their feelings hurt. We're telling them, you're not strong enough to have your feelings hurt. And so I'm going to protect you. And, we're, and we tell them in shaming ways that they're not brave. And instead of telling them, you know what, this could be really hard and you could fall flat on your face, but give it your all and let's see what happens. And then to be there for them with them when they do fail to help talk them through them, sit with them through that and take them to getting up and trying it again. Video games, let them do that. We have a tendency to shield them from anything that's going to harm them or hurt their feelings when they're really they're really uh, driven to to do things and engage with things that are bigger than they are and harder than than what than what they can actually feel like they can handle. They're drawn to that sort of thing, and and we have to get out of their way sometimes. You are you froze for a second. I was wondering if you were just about to finish your sentence and then you froze. One thing that I want to touch on because probably over 80% of the listeners today are homeschooling women who are homeschooling their boys. And it has been brought to my attention on several occasions just how 
I am a woman and I am homeschooling. I have one boy, I have three girls. My boy is my oldest. And just being cognizant of how I am wired and really rethinking how I am teaching him to let him really shine and flourish. You know, we have boys in there bouncing off of the walls, right? Right now we have snow outside and it's really cold. So what are my kids doing? They are building forts. My house is a disaster. He's running all over the place, bouncing balls off the walls. And rather than like, ah, kids, stop, right? More like, wow, look how creative they're being, you know, reframing for us. What are some, I, I know that you talked to a lot of homeschool parents. You mentioned that you homeschooled your kids yourself. I would love to hear from you what tips you have for us homeschooling moms to really embrace and nurture this masculinity that they're wired so that they flourish later in life and become these brave leaders that we want them to be. Yeah. Well, I, I wish there were a lot of, a lot more people talking about this, you know, years ago, my sons are now 24 and 22 back when we, we started homeschooling because, because we missed it. in in some areas, I remember when we first started homeschooling, we went to the, uh, our school district had a, had an auction. And so we bought two, two student desks and we brought them home and sanded them and painted them and stained them and make them look really nice. And because, you know, we're doing school at home, yes. so we need a school desk. Yeah. And what we found out is that those boys didn't need a desk at all. So they did their homework, you know, hanging upside down <laughs> over the couch with a dog <laughs> on their head or whatever. And so, so we have to be, we have to understand that, that, that boys are wired differently than the girls. Their eyes are different. Their ears are different. Their brains are different biologically, psychologically, developmentally. Their hands are, are, are not as ready to hold a pencil at the same age as girls. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to get them right neatly when they just don't quite have the dexterity. We have to understand these things. Right now at our website at trailoffusa.com, we have a, a book for download called Let Boys Be Boys. And we talk about some of these differences between boys and girls. And so those sorts of hints in there are really helpful. My wife was really good at this. On the days that she had them, she would she'd give them both a fly swat or a clean one. And, and you know, so the, the, the numbers were bugs on the wall. And, and so that's the way that they would get engaged with answering questions or she'd put letters on the floor and, she, and they'd step step or jump on the letters to spell words, you know, those sorts of things, that sort of physical activity, because like I said earlier, boys need to be moving for their brain to be involved. Mm-hmm. Those, those things are, are powerful or the Nerf gun, shooting the Nerf gun at the, yeah. at the, at the answers on the wall. Those sorts of things are, are, are huge in keeping boys engaged and keeping them, keeping them moving. You know, when we tried to sit him still in a desk, I remember taking him into Sunday school classrooms and they, and before the class started, they'd have that sheet of paper on there and they'd give the kids some crayons and said, just color while you're waiting for the class. And my boys were like, oh my gosh, is there something else we can do? You know, <laughs> that whole thing, uh, you know, to sit there like that, gauge with a piece of paper where their eyes tend to focus farther away than the mm. girls are either built differently. And so they see things at motion in a distance and they're drawn to things that are emotion at, at a distance, which is why we get that squirrel. You know, we get, they're, just, they're distracted by that thing because they're built that way. They're built to be distracted by things on the perimeter because that's how they kept us safe. Uh, but those sorts of things, we have to pay attention to those those biological, psychological, developmental differences between boys and girls mm-hmm. kind of set aside our idea. And in, in our case, the way that we were raised mm-hmm. and the way that we were taught and understand that, you know, boys in today's world, they're, they're receiving on so many channels at the same time. 
you know, that sit still, be quiet, pay attention, listen to one person is really difficult for boys. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, look at their video games. Look at, look at the TV shows that they're watching. There's so much going on at the same time. And let I me mean, look at the way we watch news or sports. I mean, there's things going across the bottom. There's words all over the place and multiple things going on, different people talking and, and all kinds of channels coming at us. And then we sit them in a classroom and tell them to pay attention to this one thing and focus and be quiet. They learn on a lot of channels at the same time. So it's no wonder that they get distracted when we tell them be quiet and sit there and focus because the whole rest of their lives, uh, there are no other places where they're just being told to focus on one single communication coming at them. There's so many things coming at them. We have to recognize that they're being raised in a different world than the one that we were raised in and that their, their minds are functioning differently and give them opportunities to learn and, and the ways that they can best uh, be engaged. That's where the great learning comes from is when they're engaged and they're interested and they're active and they're moving that's where the good stuff comes from. So there's some great books out there on this kind of stuff. There's also great books on, on the, the whole brain child is, 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 is that whole series, series of books that, that teaches you how to stay connected uh, with your, with your, with your kids. And the, there's a lot of really good stuff out there for, for parents right now. So I'd encourage them to, 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 to look after some of those tools. Yes, and I am always teaching my parents in my homeschool community to be a student of your child because, yeah, boys are wired differently than girls, and then each child is different. A lot of people say homeschooling is easy, and I just flat out disagree. I think at times homeschool can feel really hard, and part of it is the weight of the responsibility to not mess up our kids. We are often riddled with self-doubt, second-guessing, and feeling overwhelmed with excessive amounts of information out there and all of the options. And at the same time, we love our kids. We don't want to mess this up. So how do we build a homeschool that our kids will thank us for later on down the years when they are adults? Well, the first step is joining Thrive Homeschool Community, where you find the eight-step homeschool success framework. This helps you build an undeniably successful homeschool that gives your kids what they need now, that also prepares them for their future, and helps you in the day-to-day -day as well. Each year and each kid presents us with uncharted territory, but with the right plan, you can rest in the security and confidence that you are doing a great job. The path is easy. Join Thrive, say a quick hello to all your new friends, start right away, the eight-step homeschool success framework, and kiss anxiety goodbye. It's risk-free, no contracts. You can cancel anytime, no questions asked. And, and And we are homeschooling. This is our superpower. This is this is an opportunity. Why would we leave a prison and then just replicate this another one at home that just looks a little bit different? We have the opportunity to completely reframe what learning is for our kids. And it can be scary, but at the same time, it can really honor who they are, how they learn, how they're wired. And it doesn't mean that you're sacrificing academics. I think that's what a lot of people feel like. Oh, if I just let my kid run in the woods, they're not going to learn anything. And that's not the message either. It's that um, you can have that academic rigor. There's nothing wrong with that. And doing that in a way that is more in alignment with kids and how they learn so that we get that intrinsic motivation rather than the extrinsic, which I think is vital. This is why kids hate learning. It's why kids hate school. It's why giving grades doesn't work. It, it actually 
is the opposite of what we want because it hinders just the joy of learning just because it's fun. And I love that it seems like trail life is a place where that what is encouraged is just that exploration because that is where you, when you push those boundaries, you end up remembering what you've learned forever. And it seems like you guys really tie in some moral, ethical and faith-based aspects to that. Very interested. If you guys are curious or want an alternative to some of those other programs, I think trail. And if you are a Christian, remember that it is a Christ centered program. If that is something that you're looking for, I think trail life is a great option. And back to the too much tubular. I just want to finish up. Up with that why were you attracted to writing that book it's a lot different than running than doing trail life it's kind of like the screen time what was that connection and why were you excited about this project yeah well on a, on a couple of different letters uh, levels one is we understand that there's not a lot of materials for boys to boys to read out there and so when this project came along uh, something that we could uh, give to our boys in trail life about 60 percent of the boys in, in trail life are, are homeschooled and so homeschooling parents are typically looking for something for their, their kids to read. And I loved the the artists that they had doing their books and uh, just the engaging way that they put these books together. So I knew it would be a, a good tool for our boys. And I knew it would be a good way of, of presenting for parents a context for talking about screen time. Yes. You know, we have uh, suggestions for our troops on how to manage uh, digital devices on camping trips and in meetings and those sorts of things. But we're not real directive in that because we want to encourage those those folks to come up with their own solutions and think about what works for them. But uh, too much tubular, which is the name of the book, just sets the table for talking about these kind of things in a kind of a whimsical kind of way where kids can begin to see themselves and, and how it is that they engage with their digital, digital devices. So I thought this is a great thing to put in the hands of uh, trail life members, but also any, any, any kids who, who are reading, you know, just, just to open up that conversation between uh, parents and their kids on, on the challenges of, of the digital age. Yeah. I think it's vital for today's world and more and more kids are getting devices. Most of my kids, friends, you know, in our neighborhood that we play with, I would say most of our homeschool friends don't have devices, but the kids who are in schools, they really do. And it's, I feel like it's a younger and younger age. And mm -hmm. so we have had to have conversations a lot earlier than I have wanted to about mm -hmm. what can show up on those devices and action plans for when you're somewhere and someone says, hey, look at my phone anything could be on there that's not safe necessarily. Mm. So I think the more we can talk about devices and all of those things and how they can be addictive, but they're not evil in and of themselves. I love your what you mentioned about the video games and how boys really do get that, what they need from that. That's fascinating. I had never, that had never been framed for me like that. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. <laughs> That's so helpful. And I just, I'm excited about the conversation about what messages are, is our society giving us about our boys and how are they internalizing that? You know, we talk a lot about kids get toxic beliefs about themselves and often we don't really know what's happening, but it's the messages around them like, like I'm bad or I can't pay attention when actually if these conversations are out there and the more educated parents are, it's not that you're bad or you're a bad student or that teacher hates you. It's more about like, let's talk about how you're wired and 
how we can take responsibility. And I just love that reframing. I think it's vital for parents to do nowadays, don't you? Yeah, I, I really do. And if we begin to see uh, the wonder in both boys and girls, yeah. I, and by and by putting them, uh, linking them together as if they were the same thing, we lose uh, just really the value of, of how how different they are in a beautiful, beautiful way. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'd encourage your listeners to pay, pay attention. Also, I want to go back to you talking about the homeschooling tips. And there's so many, you know, our expertise again is the outdoors with trail life and putting troops together and teaching boys about awards focused adventure and those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. But there's so many good people talking to homeschoolers today. And I'm reminded of, of Dr. Kathy Cook's books. And I don't know if you've had her as a guest yet, but she's amazing. And so bring her on and ask her that question. She'll give you a much better answer. Right. <laughs> than I did. You know, we, we, we did our homeschooling and I understand boys and we're an organization that, I mean, we have over 50,000 members across the country. We focus on boys. So we understand boys, but gosh, there's, she's got some great stuff on, on homeschooling. I'd encourage your, your listeners to, to, to look at yeah, We will put that book in the show notes. It's interesting. I actually assigned that to my junior hire. I do an interesting thing. I have mommy assigned reading and I kind of rotate we rotate some faith-based stuff apologetic stuff and then we even rotate in sex ed and i also just assigned her eight homeschool smarts book her Mm -hmm. homeschool smarts book and then i did some business ones like how to win friends and influence people we kind of do like a rotation and that's afternoon reading in our homeschool and so if you're listening kathy come on come on the podcast i'd love to have you i know it would be an honor well i want to hear so we have a lot of things i'm so excited to have you on so we have trail life usa we will put a link in the show notes about how to find that organization how to sign up And we will also put in the show notes how to find brave books. This is the December's book. So this is a book that you can get now, correct? Correct. It started okay. to be on sale about 10 days ago. Okay. And then it will be available after. It's not just one month, right? Right. Just this is the month that if you, if you subscribe, it's the book of the month, but you can buy it anytime. Okay. Wonderful. I so appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you, Christy. Appreciate you. God bless. Thank you.